Welcome into the 222nd episode of the Young Turks podcast. It's been a while, but the man himself, Todd Carton, has returned from overseas. So we're back here uh, on the podcast. Todd, got to start it off. I know you write your travel blog. I'll give it a plug. So you. Uh, go ahead. Uh, how was the trip? Uh, trip, with, trip was fabulous, Mason. Um, I'll, I'll give you the, the quick summary is that when I was getting ready, on well, my next to last day, the day before I was supposed to leave, when I was getting ready to leave Lisbon, I was taking a long walk, walking over to a, a museum. And as I'm making this walk, I was thinking, you know, I'm kind of sorry I have to go home tomorrow. So it said a lot about the trip and how I feel about Lisbon. Yeah. And I didn't mention where you went. Todd was in Portugal, for those of you who don't follow your travel blog, which he yeah. hasn't he hasn't plugged the travel blog yet, even though that's what I gave it to him. That's right. No, the travel blog is grunkleodd.com. Uh, I am actually in the process of writing about the Lisbon trip. I haven't posted anything yet. Um, still working on the on actually the first full day. Uh, but I've made a change to the blog. I used to write these long 4,000 word posts, and now everything is 1,500 words. So this first day is going to have four or five different uh, posts attached to it because I'm keeping it keeping each one short. All right, we got a lot to get to on the non-rev report, so let's flip it over to our Terps. Uh, we'll start on the mat with wrestling, and Todd, um, great start to the season, but man, Big Ten wrestling is just another animal. Big Ten wrestling is is just another animal. You're absolutely right, Mason. You know, um, what I would say is, is that the last few weeks have have just shown us really how far Maryland has come and how far they still have to go to really be competitive in the Big Ten. Um, you know, right now the Big Ten has 14 teams, 10 of them are ranked in the top 30. You know, that's a, that's a pretty high mountain to climb. One of them is not Maryland anymore. Maryland did crack the rankings for the first time in about a decade. Um, but, you know, they got up as high as, as number 21. Then they opened their Big Ten season against Indiana. Okay, and, and in a microcosm, the Indiana match is it, it represents what I what I just said. Last year when they wrestled Indiana in Bloomington, they lost 26 to 12. This year, each side won five matches. They finished tied 16 all, and Indiana won on what's called criteria, which for those who don't know means that over the course of their five wins, Indiana accumulated more points than Maryland accumulated over their five win matches. So Indiana gets credited with the team win at 17-16 because uh, there are no ties in uh, in wrestling. Um, so, so that's, you know, again, it shows that Maryland's come a long way, but they still have a long way to go. Indiana is not among those top teams that's at, at in the Big Ten, which is uh, Penn State at number one and Iowa at number two. And Maryland did come back and wrestle uh, Ohio State, who kind of bounces right now this year between seven and ten-ish. And, and they got handled pretty well by Ohio State. Yeah, Todd, and one of the big bright spots comes a week after that. The Terps head down to UVA. They wrestle in the Virginia Duels, and they go three and one, but massive improvements year over year, specifically against Oklahoma. Yeah, the, what they did against Oklahoma was just the uh, first time they've ever beaten Oklahoma in a dual meet. And last year, they, again, they lost 41 to six. 
And this year they actually beat Oklahoma. It was close. It was a nail biter, 18 to 16, uh, but they, they did beat them. Same thing with the host school uh, UVA. Um, they lost to Virginia 24 to nine last year. They beat them 22 to 14 this year. But again, then they come back after that. They had a surprising loss on those four match weekend to Campbell, which, you know, I guess it happens. It's a pretty young team and maybe there's a little bit of lack of consistency. But then they come back home and they have to wrestle Ohio State. And there are a couple injuries and Maryland has to forfeit the 197 weight class. And suddenly uh, it's a 39 to six uh, win for, for the Buckeyes. Uh, which is, a, it's a marginal improvement for Maryland over last year's score, but Maryland both years won only one match. This year it was Braxton Brown, who was a redshirt freshman from Texas and who is just uh, turning into a phenom for Maryland right now. Yeah, and the the world of pain of Big Ten play continued for Maryland. They took on the Fighting Illini of Illinois. They lose uh, that one. Another ranked team they uh, fall to in Big Ten play twenty nine to eleven. Todd, I mean, it ju it ju it just doesn't stop. Um, they do wrestle Michigan State coming up, and they are along with Maryland and I think Purdue uh, and I don't I don't remember who the fourth team is, but one other the, the, I think Michigan State is one of the unranked teams, not ranked in any of the polls. So. You know, but it's on the road. It's going to be another tough one. And then they go to Michigan, who's a top 10 team. Uh, so that's a Friday, Sunday. So uh, as we're recording this on Tuesday night, um, we'll look forward to seeing how the Terps fare this weekend. Yeah, hopefully they can pick up a couple of wins in big or a couple of wins down the stretch in Big Ten play. Not not going to predict uh, that they play Michigan tough, but you would think maybe that they kind of find their way in one of the the duels or the meets against one of the top 10 teams and they get a win up there that that really shows the progress that uh, Alex Clemson's brought to the program. Yeah, he's brought he really has brought a lot to the program. I, you know, it's still uh, again they're they're Maryland's wrestling a a bunch of relatively young guys, a lot of uh, redshirt freshmen, sophomores and as I said, you know, Maryland's certainly not in a position where they can can forfeit a match and give up 16 points as they did against both Illinois and uh, and Ohio State. So we'll see how they fare against Michigan State. It is a chance for Maryland. Uh, hopefully that will be a competitive match and, and maybe the Terps will squeak out a win. Yeah, now we have a new one that we're adding to the report, Todd, the Jim Terps. Uh, the Terps have started their run in gymnastics uh, this year and uh, Todd couple meets in what are we looking at yeah actually a pr pretty good start for for gym gymnastics they started on Friday the 13th this year uh, they went out to West Virginia they competed against uh, the the, uh, the Mountaineers and Kent State in a try what they call a try meet and real quickly and we'll get into this later in the season Wins and losses are much less important in gymnastics. It's one of the ironies I found, you know, when I was covering gymnastics that the most subjective sport in terms of each competition is the most objective in terms of determining who gets into the NCAA because it's all based on your score, what they call your national qualifying score, which is a combination of road meets and home meets and this, that, and the other. And as I said, we can get into that when we get closer to the NCAA tournament. 
what was really exciting this year. They started 3-0 last year. They started 3-0 this year. But what was really exciting for Maryland this year is that their score at West Virginia, which was uh, 195.425, is the second highest opening meet score in program history. And to give, you, to give you some perspective, last year they started at, their first meet was 192.975 or something like that. And by the end of the season, they were regularly in the mid 196s, 197s, and they finished 20th in the country. Uh, 192 would put you in the bottom, you know, bottom, bottom of the, of the, uh, NCAA. So they, Brett and Elegant's teams always have an arc, a positive arc to the season, and they did improve their score that after uh, the West Virginia meet, they went out to uh, Nebraska for a dual meet. They beat the Cornhuskers uh, head to head. And um, again, they, they bumped up their score a little bit. Um, it was uh, 195.875, so about half a, point, a little less than half a point. But it's moving in the right direction. And if they can continue that and they show the sort of improvement they did last year, Maryland, has, I think, will have a legitimate shot at being in the top uh, 15 or 16 teams in the country come NCAA tournament time. But it's a long season, a lot of, lot of work ahead. Yes, it is. And the Terps uh, host Michigan State Sunday at 1 o'clock in their home opener. Todd, spring sports getting underway soon. Uh John Tillman's squad and Kathy Reese's squad will be playing, but we got some tennis to start off the spring sport slate. Yeah, am amazingly enough, um, uh, the tennis team uh, got kind of a jump on uh, on the lacrosse teams, and they started with three matches at home. They had a match against Georgetown a week ago Friday, and then Sunday they had uh, two matches against VCU and Coppin State. Um in those matches, they beat Georgetown seven to nothing. And the way the way college tennis works is that the, the teams play three teams play doubles, and the 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 team the, the school that wins two of those three matches gets a doubles point, and then you have six singles matches. So winning the doubles point is very big because then you only have to win three of the six singles matches as opposed to four to take control and and, and win the meet. Um, what happened in, against VCU was it, the match was early in the morning and um, the coaches probably agreed that if the match got sewn up early, they would not play out all the matches, which would give Maryland a reasonable break before they played Coppin State. And the Terps were able to take that one four to nothing, which again is a nice turnaround. They were down at VCU, which is a quality mid-major program. They have a lot of like foreign tennis players, kind of like UMBC's chess team. We're all used to bring in all these Russian ringers <laughs> and compete for national championships in, in college chess. Well, they, they bring in a lot of foreign folks down for uh, the tennis team for VCU, but Maryland lost to them four to three last year, won four to nothing this year. And I happened to talk briefly with Katie Doherty after the match because I was among the, the few in attendance at the match. And she was really, really thrilled with the, the way Maryland played against VCU. And then they, they kind of cruised against Coppin, which was uh, to be expected. Yeah, and, and possibly the toughest, I'm going to say it's going to be the toughest match of the season coming up for the Terps, Todd. They'll play uh, number two, North Carolina. Yeah, in Chapel Hill. And that'll, that'll happen this Friday. 
Uh, and then Saturday, they have two more, um, one a power five opponent and another, I don't know, against Charlotte, but they'll also be playing Utah. Uh, I honestly, Mason, don't know what the caliber of those teams are. I can tell you that neither one is ranked in the ITA preseason poll. So, uh, but whether they have players who will be able, who will really push Maryland, I can't tell you, but it's a good way to start the season. And they'll be on the road for quite some time. I think their next uh, three or four weekends are all on the road. Yeah, which makes sense before uh, the weather heats up in College Park. Todd, finally, women's basketball circling all the way back around to the team that's been on here now the longest. Uh, the Terps have gotten a roll going in Big Ten play. Yeah, actually, they're, they they really are. They've, they've won nine of the last ten. Uh, they picked up three in a row. They're, the only loss in that span was a seven-point loss at Indiana, who's, uh, I think, currently ranked fourth in the country um, but they've had three sort of workmanlike wins uh, since that game. They they beat Rutgers at home, which was a a relatively easy uh, win for Maryland. Rutgers is in kind of a transition year with the retirement of C. Vivian Stringer and and transitioning to a new coach. So they're a very thin roster and and one of the sort of bottom teams in the Big Ten this year. But um, Coquise Washington, who coached Penn State to a couple of Big Ten championships, I think. Uh, has taken over that program and will probably turn it around sometime soon. Um, then they went to Wisconsin, who's also another team at the bottom of the Big Ten. Uh, they they picked up a, a just kind of a, nah, you know, okay, well, they, they led the whole game. Wisconsin never got closer than 10, but Maryland never really put their foot to the to the pedal to the metal and really ran away with it. And then, of course, they got a little bit of payback against uh, Nebraska, in, in Lincoln, because Nebraska is the uh, handed the Terps their worst loss of the season back in December, a 90 to 67 uh, loss. Yeah, and Todd, is it just me does Nebraska pack it in for women's basketball, too? I saw a couple of uh, clips from the game. Uh, yeah, Nebraska packs it in for pretty much everything because, you know, it's Lincoln. <laughs> what else are you going to do in Lincoln on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon? But it was kind of cool because... Uh, since the Jim Terps were actually also in Lincoln the night before, the two teams flew back on the same charter. Yeah, always good. Also saving good old Damon Evans money right there. Saving a little back. money, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, the, the Nebraska game was kind of a deceptive. It was a 15-point win for Maryland. Terps were up by, I don't know, 20 or 25 points uh, with – five or six or seven minutes to go in the game. And Brenda started emptying the bench and, and putting in all the freshmen and, and the players who don't get a lot of playing time. And uh, Amy Williams kept her, her basically her starters on the floor, kept uh, pressing Maryland. And they went on kind of a 15 to four five or 14 to four, something like that run over the last 10 minutes. Uh, that was really essentially meaningless and, and unnecessary, but there you go. The Terps will be uh, at home uh, Thursday night against uh, uh, hosting Michigan, which will be a tough game. Michigan is ranked somewhere in, in the polls, but Maryland continues to be ranked. They're ranked tied. Uh, they're tied with Iowa for 10th in the country in the AP poll. And, um, you know, this is now 241 consecutive weeks that Maryland has been ranked 
in the top 25 in the AP poll and only the University of Connecticut now, when Baylor dropped out a couple of weeks ago, uh, only the University of Connecticut has a longer active streak. Of course, their streak is 500 and something. They've been ranked since like 1994. Yeah, 556, Todd. <laughs> so, um, you know, Maryland's a long way from that, but it's still a pretty impressive improve, uh, 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 a pretty impressive feat for Maryland to, to be ranked for, you know, 240 plus consecutive weeks now. And they'll, they're solidly be ranked for, for uh, probably most of the season. Yeah. And for those that want to know the record, it does belong to none other than the Lady Vols of Tennessee at 565. UConn uh, quickly approaching the, the all-time record, which, which would also be another deserving program to have it, even though I'm not a big fan of uh, the UConn Huskies women's basketball team. And that streak ran from 1985 to 2016. That's so just hard to comprehend that it, that it could, they could sustain that level for that long. Yeah. Uh, I will say that, you know, Cheyenne Sellers, just a, before we, we move on to, to uh, the men's basketball uh, program and team and games and all of that, that I do have to single out Cheyenne Sellers, who as a freshman last year was the, sixth player of the year in the big 10 and has moved into the starting lineup. And she has just become, I, I think, you know, in some ways, and, and this may be a little bit of a segue, I've looked all season at uh, as, as important as Jameer Young is to running Maryland. I really feel like the key player for Maryland is Hakeem Hart and kind of as he goes, that's how the team goes. And, and that's where Cheyenne Sellers is moving into. She's the most improved player, the most important player, and quickly becoming the most valuable player on that team. She was named Big Ten Player of the Week just this week for, the I think, the first time in her career. So kudos to, to uh, the daughter of one Brad Sellers, who you may remember played a few years for Ohio State and had a bit of an NBA career and has now gone on to become mayor of their small town in Ohio. No, it's a good, good fun fact to segue up, segue us. One more thing on the Terps uh, ranking streak, seventh all time. So quickly just stacking more and more wins uh, for Brenda and her program and just great feat for uh, the Terps on the court. And, you know, I don't really see it uh, at least running out this year, Todd. Yeah, I don't think so. So Mason, uh, you know, barring some, almost incomprehensible series of injuries or some kind of collapse. Um, Maryland should, should certainly be able to hang on to uh, the rankings through their, the end of the year. All right. Now let's flip it over to the men's basketball side. It's been a while since our last podcast that was named, uh, well, appropriately Bruin beatdown. And there were a couple more beatdowns uh, that came after that. We could have had another one that was called Wolverine beatdown or I'm not sure if I would call the the Iowa loss a beatdown. I think the Terps had their windows in that. The Rutgers won. Maryland hung around. But uh, an ugly game against Michigan uh, all the way back on January 1st. And it's been up and down January for the Terps on the court, Todd. Yeah, it has. And uh, fortunately for me, that was the, the, Mich the, the first Michigan game uh, came while I was in Portugal. So, uh, you know, I just kind of woke up and saw the score and – was able to shrug my shoulders and, you know, uh, give myself a, as I like to call it, a dope slap, uh, a Homer Simpson dope slap. 
and think, uh, well, you know, they're on the road. Look, Maryland, Maryland right now, I think it's three and five in Big Ten play. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yep. They're three and zero at home and zero and five on the road. All five yeah, losses it's... have come on the road. So, you know, and and let's look at what happened when I got back. And I don't think that there's any. Uh, either correlation or causation to my return, but the game against Michigan was something like a 40 point turnaround, right? It went from a 35 or 40 point loss to a five or whatever point win. Yeah. I think the Terps are showing, you know, that they're really, really good team uh, on their home court as many big 10 teams are right now, you know, Minnesota being really the only team that is not competitive uh, in conference play on the men's side in basketball and and look you go to you go to ann arbor and you get absolutely demolished by michigan you play at home against them and i didn't think Jawan howard put together a good game plan i thought kevin willard's adjustments game over game were, were just fantastic in that one and and we'll see a couple things you know purdue was coming to college park i think that that one may be your outlier i think they'll be much better prepared to play against the terps pressure uh, after the close game this past Sunday, but I, I just did not think Michigan had the right mindset. I thought they they really thought they had Maryland beat inside, and Julian Reese is really coming on as a as a big man, and as is uh, Swanton Rogers, who is you know was nowhere to be seen at the beginning of the season, has now come on as a guy who can give you some quality minutes. Yeah, and uh, had a really posterizing. Well yeah, and he had that posterizing dunk against uh, Hunter uh, Dickerson. So, but let me ask you something, Mason, um, because uh, again, I was away for some of these games. Uh, I was, I, I was at the Michigan game and, and obviously in college park and I saw parts of the Purdue game because I was at that tennis match early in the day. So I saw kind of a good part of the second half by the time I got home, but here, here's my question for you. One of the things that struck me watching Maryland play Michigan at home is that Maryland would switch defenses in the middle of a possession. They'd start in a zone and then switch to man to man, or they'd start in man and switch to zone. And I think that gave Michigan some trouble. And from what I could tell, it looked like they, they did that again against Purdue. And, and I think that gave Purdue some trouble. And, and Willard had talked earlier in the season about, I'm not showing everything I'm going to do in these preseason games. And so had, had, is this the first time these last couple of games that we've seen Maryland kind of make that defensive uh, switch? Not 100%. I think it's the first time they've really used it as a real tool for success. Um, being really up close to the game, which which you do get, especially when you take photos, you can hear, and there's one thing that Wayne's pointed out to me because he does it much more often than I do, but I remember it from when I was on uh, ESPN Plus down in Jacksonville. You could always tell when you're on the sidelines how much better a team is on defense, not necessarily offense, but defense when their bench is the one that's right next to them. Because the coaches, which if you watch Maryland or if you ever catch this, they got as bad as many coaches as they do players on the team between the managers, the strength and conditioning guy, the team doctor, and then the assistants and the graduate assistants. It, it is really absurd in major college basketball that the coach to player ratio is equivalent to a school that would probably cost one hundred forty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> that, that that kind of faculty to student ratio there that they have running, and the amount of things that they basically call out what the other team is doing. Well, with Maryland, 
uh, they've decided to take, really when they're on the far side, they utilize this scheme of switching the defense mid-possession. And, and I think it just traps a lot of teams. Even though your bench is right there and they can call out the switches, we'll see how many games it's actually effective for. But yeah, they've really pulled it out in conference play. It's not something that's never been done. You know, it's not breaking the game, but doing it well, it really catches teams off guard, especially when you think you're at a disadvantage. If you can execute things like full court press, break back into a man defense, then switch it to zone, suddenly you're giving your opponent three different looks within the same shot clock. And it doesn't allow them to really get into anything, especially a team like Purdue that was just looking to dump the ball down you know, get easy baskets and, and outside shooting wasn't really there in the second half. Yeah. Well, you know, I I think it's a great strategy and it certainly appears to have been more than effective against both of these teams. You know, Maryland dug themselves a huge hole against Purdue early on and, and outright won the second half and, and certainly had opportunities to both win or at least push the game into overtime. They had a couple of looks. I thought, you know, a little forced look by uh, Don Carey near the end of the game that with a three that could have tied it uh, with a few seconds to go. But, you know, I mean, you know, Maryland, I, I don't know. I can't, that's the one thing I've heard from Willard all year is how is that Maryland's a good shooting team. And, you know, the numbers just don't say that. And we're we have enough of a sample size to say, you know, the good games are the outliers. The bad games are what Maryland is. Yeah, Todd, and, and the numbers, as you said, do not lie. Three for 21, 14% shooting from three for Maryland in this game. Luckily for the Terps, their opponents weren't much better. Two for 13 from three for Purdue. That That is kind of what kept it close, the Boilers. Um, really, if you look at the numbers, it was that close. Purdue shoots 1% better than Maryland as a team in the game. And uh, it adds up to three more points. Well, and, and, but, but I think also if you look at the disparity in free throws, and I don't think this is one of those disparate free throw disparities that was created by Maryland fouling a lot at the la at the end of the game, because it was tight at the end of the game. So this was a free throw disparity that was created during the flow of the game. And I think that that's really where you see Purdue uh, won, won the game. I think they outscored Maryland something like 16 to 8. I, I don't have the box score in front of me. But. Yeah, it, and unfortunately in this game, and, and this just goes to, you know, if you're nitpicking at it, uh, Braden Smith, the, the young guard for Purdue, one of the best free throw shooting players in the country uh, at this point, does not score a field goal, but he walks out of the game with eight points, all eight of them for, from free throws, some of which came down – uh, the stretch and that would have just been one of those moments where you're like you know if you've really studied up if you had all the film in front of you maybe you don't want to foul that guy um mm -hmm. coming down down the wire but maryland you know they did everything they could just one basket short Jameer young had a decent look at it where he just great closed out by the purdue uh team at the end of the game to force it and then as you mentioned don carry a kick out three you can't be looking for the foul in that situation no and I think he was, uh, you know, he kind of, you know, wanted the foul. You know, it, maybe if you're driving the lane, you can be looking for a foul. You can try to force the referee into contact. But unless it's really, really severe, you're not going to get called on a jump on a three-point jump shot at that point. Todd, now looking ahead, the Terps uh, back in action. I guess today, if you're probably listening to this show tomorrow when we're recording it, uh, the annual blackout game 
uh, Maryland taking on Wisconsin, a team that got the better of them uh, on the road earlier this year. Wisconsin, kind of the same as Maryland, been up and down for the Badgers, a team that's been in and out of uh, the polls, especially earlier in the year. And uh, both teams, you know, within that reach right now, it seems like it's 11th to second in the league uh, that will shape out between basically teams that are one to two games, better or worse than 500. Yeah, it looks it looks that way. I I, I think I read one comment recently that said that the Ken Palm, Ken Palm predictor model had something like eight teams in the Big Ten finishing 10 and 10 uh, at the end of the season. But first, let me just say hallelujah to Maryland's marketing department for scheduling a blackout game against a team that wears red rather than scheduling a red out game against a team that wears red and white, which Maryland somehow seems to do far too often. Hey, Todd, they must have read your fan survey. <laughs> Maybe they did, Mason. Maybe they did. But uh, look, Maryland, Maryland lost by five at Wisconsin after they had upset Illinois. Uh, but but that was a cl actually a, a very close game. Maryland at, was tied with about eight or nine minutes to go. If, if I recall, Wisconsin went on an 8-0 run that sort of created the separation that led to the final score. Since then, you know, Wisconsin, both teams are coming off of three-point losses. Maryland's at Purdue. Wisconsin was at uh, Northwestern. And uh, Wisconsin has lost four of their last five. So they're certainly not coming into Xfinity Center on any kind of a roll. No, they aren't four and four in the conference coming into it, but they got both. They have two of the four wins in the, I don't even know what to call it. The early conference mixed with the non-conference games there. Oh, I, I know you all know what I'm talking about. If you're listening to this show, those December uh, games. Yeah. The December games there. That's the right word for it, Todd, uh, coming into full scale, big 10 play. Uh, they beat a Minnesota team that that's just not very good by three, uh, a road loss to Illinois, home loss to Michigan State. They get blown out at Indiana. Indiana, by the way, a team to watch for those of you who follow Big Ten basketball. They really got a nice role going right now. Uh, home win only by three to Penn State. And then, as Todd mentioned, their previous game, the road loss to Northwestern, a team that's sneaky good this year after having just a bad year last year. So so it seems like they're, they're just in a, a lot of these kind of one-possession games, uh, three points to Penn State, three points to Northwestern, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, um, yeah, I, I was I was kind of wish that that the December games would be a little later in the month rather than the beginning of the month, and then we could call them the reindeer games, but that's just the way my mind works. Yeah, I think that is just the way your mind works, Todd. <laughs> um, it's really a team that, you know, I, I like the Wisconsin team that Greg Gard has, but there's just somewhat similar to Maryland, not really bench scoring or bench productivity from the Badgers. It's all, you know, the three guys, Jordan Davis, Chucky Hepburn, and Tyler Wall that, that get it done. And those are going to be your guys that you're going to have to stop Maryland. And, and they do have a seven footer. Yeah. And then, you know, that, that plays into Stephen Maryland. Crowell or Kroll or whatever, however he says his name. Uh, Maryland's just going to have to take care of business, close out on those guys. They shoot a lot of threes as a team, 10 for 31 from three uh, in their last game. And look, it's another game where I think we can all agree on this. If Maryland can force the game into the first one to 60 to win, they probably have a good chance at home. Yeah, I, th I think so, Mason. It, you know, it's funny because 
uh, Brenda Freeze had cobbled together this team of a lot of transfers and freshmen based on a lot of kind of transfers out uh, from last year's team, transfers and graduation. And I said early on that I thought that although Maryland has four players that they put on the floor who have scored a thousand points in their career, that the identity of that team has to be a, as a defensive team. And that's really how, what won them the game at Nebraska. They held Nebraska to 14 points in the first half of that game. And I think that's much the same thing with what Willard has. This, is, this has to be the identity of this team has to be built around their defense. Yeah, it does. I, I think that's clear. And, and you kind of saw, I think you're seeing that, the buy-in to that come over the last week or so. But it's really got to show in games like this where you're not really playing a team that, you know, beat you up bad like Michigan did or a team where everyone's in the film room, you know, in the Purdue prep saying, how are we going to guard that 7-4 guy? This is a game where you matched up well against the team and you probably feel like you could have beaten Wisconsin at the Kohl Center earlier this year. Now they're coming to your place and you, you should have some confidence, but the buy-in to doing the tough things, which, you know, playing defense, full court press, switching from zone to man, all that stuff fits into that has got to be there when you know you can beat the team, not when you're trying to, you know, pull off a team that you lost to by 40 or beat one of the best teams in the country. It's got to be there day in and day out. And, and I'm going to say Maryland's got to win this game if they want to be playing in March. These are the kind of games you have to come away with wins from. I think, I think not only do they have to win this game, Maryland, uh, Mason, but they're in a stretch where they, they really have, you know, they, I think they have three straight at home and then they go to Minnesota. Uh, so you'd have to say that Maryland's got to come out of these next four, probably no worse than three and one, because I think after that they go to Michigan state, um, which is always going to be uh, a challenge, but, uh, and, and they do play Indiana in that stretch at home. So as you said, as a team that's coming on, but you know, you've got Nebraska, you got Wisconsin, Nebraska, Indiana at home, and then at Minnesota. So, you know, th this is a stretch where Maryland really has to solidify their position in the middle to top uh, half, or, you know, or bottom of the top half of the conference. Yeah, I agree with you. You got it. I think you actually have to come out four and in the next four. Uh, if you really want to reach your goals, three and one is is you can live at three and one, but I really would think the goal has got to be four and zero. Oh. Terps, you know, pair of wins in the quad one, pair of wins in the quad two. Right now, it's that time of year. Not quite there. I don't want to get into it too much, but you start to look at you know brackets and and where you're landing. Thirty nine right now in the Ken Palm, forty one in the net. Or I got that backwards. Nope, that that's right. There are thirty nine in the Ken Palm, forty one in the net going into this game. And you have to start saying, where are my quad one and quad two win opportunities? You have one against Wisconsin. You're going to have one against Indiana. You're going to have one against Michigan State in the next five. Those are games you have to kind of lock into and, and really hope you come out with a winning record in those three. And then you just have to take care of business at home against Nebraska and on the road at what will be, I'm going to assume, a Saturday night, nine o'clock game. Uh, at the barn the barn will probably still be pretty empty up there in minneapolis but it's tough to win on the road of maryland for this maryland team and, they, and that's one where you're going to have to come away with it yeah i think i think you're right i, I as i said i you know uh, 
I was, I'm just trying to think, as I said, kind of worst case scenario is that Maryland comes out three and one out of these next four, but that's, that's the worst they can come out of this stretch. I think they have to win at least three of the four, four winning all four certainly get you on a roll going into Michigan state who, you know, I mean, it's a tough game right now. Michigan state's not a great team. They're not the Michigan state of past years. So uh, and, and I think Maryland's had some good games up there. Uh, they've had some bad games there in, in the Breslin Center as well. And then they come home against Penn State after that. So we're getting way ahead of ourselves right now. Have to take care of business uh, Wednesday night against uh, uh, a decent Wisconsin team that would give Maryland a, just add another quality win to the, uh, to the resume. Hey, Todd, you, you got me looking down the schedule as we were talking there and and you know, wrapping it up, what the biggest disappointment on the schedule is? What's that? They play number one, or what I will assume will oh. still be number one Purdue on a weeknight at 6.30. Oh, gosh. 6.30. Good Lord, Mason. <laughs> so, so in other words, second half crowd. 